Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome, everybody, to the Thanksgiving Week edition of the Detroit Bad Boys Podcast. I'm your host this week. My name is Ben Gulker, and I'm glad to be joined by not a new person to the site, Ryan Bravado, but new to the podcast. Uh, Ryan, say hello. Great to have you, man. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Thanks a lot, Ben, for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. We're happy to have you. Uh, Ryan, tell the people real quick if they want to get in touch with you outside of the blog, do you have a Twitter or other social media profile people can connect with you on? Yeah, if they want to, they can get in touch uh, via Twitter. Uh, sometimes I'm a heavy user. Sometimes I'm not. Um, they can get in touch uh, uh, at R Pravato, P-R-A-V-A-T-O. Um, unfortunately, it has nothing to do with uh, you know my, my screen name on DBB, which is Prava88, but um, I guess the first five letters on my last name are, are the same. So I don't know if you want to follow me on Twitter, feel free. But uh, I'm not uh, very uh, creative on Twitter, so it might be a boring follow. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're too hard on yourself. But, hey, we're happy to have you. And like we do every time we have someone new on the podcast, um, we're going to start with a few minutes of just, you know, who's Ryan and, and why the heck is he a Pistons fan? So, Ryan, nothing super formal, but, you know, let folks know, like, how did you become a Pistons fan? What what drew your interest to this particular team? Yeah, um, grew up in Michigan, uh, so that made it really easy. Um, grew up in a small town uh, about 50 minutes outside of Detroit, and uh, my, my dad, big basketball fan, uh, certain portions of the family uh, also were heavily into basketball, and so I picked it up around four or five years old, started playing, started watching. Um, I also got into heavily into U of M basketball as well. Um, so yeah, I started paying attention right around the uh, Lindsey Hunter, Grant Hill days, uh, struggling, struggling years there. Um, but yeah, it was just a, a real, real easy, you know, being outside of Detroit, you know, within an hour drive or so, uh, went down to games probably once or twice a year when I was a child and, uh, you know, did a, I did a five-year stint in China just recently, so I was away from the states, so I didn't really couldn't really follow Detroit too closely. But um, but yeah, before that, I spent all my time in, in Michigan. I went to school in Ann Arbor at the U, at U of M, so uh, it was real easy just to kind of you know gravitate towards Detroit. Um, you know, I, I can root for some other teams, but I mean, Detroit's my number one love, so. 
Yeah, that's awesome. And it's nice to have a fellow uh, Wolverine fan on the podcast. I'm always surrounded <laughs> by these Spartans and ugh, feel a little dirty every yeah, Sunday. Yeah. No, just kidding. Little uh, little friendly friendly rivalry love to our Spartan fans. Yeah, last week I uh, noticed uh, you had Laz. Well, Laz is usually on, but Laz and Jamie, I think they're both Spartans. So I uh, I wanted to come on to kind of give some support there to the Wolverine crowd. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and Sean who was on uh, two weeks oh. ago, also a big Spartan right, fan. Right. So, yeah, I've been I've been surrounded by it, and of course, worst of all, and we're a little off track, but worst of all. My wife's family is from oh. Ohio, and I will be in Ohio for Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, oh. weekend. so uh, it, it could it could get ugly. <laughs> it could get ugly. It could. So, I guess I'm or, watch out. Yeah. 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 So you're a little bit younger. You you were you missed the bad boys era. But what are some of your you know your favorite Pistons or favorite Piston moments from um, childhood onward? Um, well, I was a big Lindsey Hunter fan. Um, I, did, I remember a game, I think it was in the late ni- mid to late 90s, I can't remember exact year, but uh, I was probably six or seven, and he uh, he had a, th- it was in Indiana, actually. You know, the Pistons were just a middling, you know, 500, slightly better team, and uh, anyway, anyway, one game, he, uh, he uh, they came back in the fourth, and he knocked in a three with, a, with like five seconds left, he banked it in, I don't even think he meant to bank it in, it was just a wild three, and he, he hit it, and I kind of... You know, I was five or six. Uh, it kind of stuck out as a early memory for me. Um, but yeah, going more towards the uh, the good years, early two thousands, and obviously mid two thousand. Um, you know, really big Ben Wallace fan. Uh, you know, really followed him heavily. Um, I remember the years of like Bison Dele and you know uh, John Crotty. I'm a big John Crotty fan. Um, you know, he was, uh, I don't know. I think he only played with Detroit for a year, maybe two. Yeah. I think that's the first John Crotty show yeah. that we've had on the podcast. So yeah, it'll probably be the last. Um, when I was in college, <laughs> I wrote a poem about John Crotty and it was actually published online. So I, I only think about a hundred people viewed it, but, um, you know, there has to be a first, first those things. So. Well, I think at some point we're going to have to drop the link in the show notes or something because there's going to be at least five people. At least five, yeah, at least five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, man, John Crotty, had, he was a, he played for the Jazz, too. I mean, he's oh, yeah. kind of a journeyman. But um, Oh, I have one more thing. Yeah, so. Sorry, Ben. Yeah. Lots of similar. Yeah, just real yeah, quick. I don't want to get no. it too off track. But uh, I do uh, remember Jermaine Jackson. He was a Detroit Mercy grad. He spent about three, four I don't know, two, three, four years in the NBA. I think spent a half a season or so with Detroit. I, uh, I was a, you know, I was a little kid and I got a, it was a big moment for me. I mean, to others, it might seem nothing, but, um, got a picture with them down on the floor, um, during one of the games and, uh, well, before the game, obviously. And that was a, I still, I still think I have the picture. At least my mom does, I hope. But, uh, you know, he was a, kind of a local legend there and, uh, I think he ended up playing for Toronto for a couple of years and then overseas, he went back overseas probably. But, uh, you know, th- those, you know, I always liked the, the players who are the fringe guys. So I'm a big Moreland fan right now. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't want to go off too much on a tangent here, but those are, there's a couple early memories that kind of got me in the, and fully in the door for my Pistons fandom. So. Yeah. Well, and the fringe guys are the, I think a lot of Detroit fans are going to resonate with that because it's always yeah. been known as a blue collar town. 
you know, the Pistons' best years have all been um, – they've all been important players who were fringe guys somewhere else or guys who would not really be considered superstars or, or even stars. And I think if you look at both championship squads and you can find guys who play, you know, an important role but that were really on the fringe of NBA stardom. So I think a lot of Pistons fans will, will be with you on that one for sure. So – well, anyways, yeah, great to have you on the pod. Um, oh, unfortunately, it's going to be one of our shorter episodes. We only yeah. had two games since we recorded a week ago. This huh. new NBA schedule, a little bit more time for teams to rest, which I think is overall mm-hmm. a very positive thing. Um, but we end up with some weird gaps like this one, where you only get two games over the course of seven games and uh, seven days. Excuse me. And I should mention we're recording um, just before the the Sunday game against the T Wolves, so that one will be. Uh, in the books after we record today. So only two games to talk about. Uh, and unfortunately, two losses. Kind of the the first times of adversity, maybe you could say, for the current Pistons squad. We'll start with the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, tough game. I think there's some things to be uh, happy about and some things to be maybe a little disappointed by. Um, so let, let's talk about this one a little bit. What are some of the things you noticed in the Milwaukee game? Could be positive, could be negative could be a thing, it could be a person. What stood out to you about the Milwaukee game and that tough loss on the road? Um, you know, that was uh, seemed like forever ago. Uh, I, uh, I rewatched the Pacers game just a few hours ago. But, yeah, to answer your question about the Bucks, I mean, I remember uh, Middleton had uh, had his away, um, if I'm not mistaken. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, it was just uh, no. He had a great game. You know, it was one of those games where Milwaukee they have that new toy there in Bledsoe. Um, they're, uh, you know, I think they they with that addition, you know, of course they lost uh, the Moose, but you know, with with Bledsoe they really become a, you know, they're not deep, but they become a dangerous team. Probably have more talent than Detroit. Um, that puts uh, Brogdon to uh, the bench, and he he's a lot better than Della Vadova. Um, on both sides of the ball, really. So, I don't know. It was just uh, – I tried to push that game out of my mind. Uh, it was the first loss. It was it was a tough loss, obviously. <laughs> Close game. Pistons battled. I mean, one thing this year that's great that's we haven't really had the last three, four, five years is Pistons seem to be battling every game. It's tough to do over a 82-game span. I mean, these guys are human. I mean, you know, it doesn't matter how much money they make. They, you know – they can. They're allowed to have off nights, and you know maybe where the intensity is not great for all 48 minutes. But so far, I think to a man, these these guys really put it all out there. And uh, you know, I think they're. You know, it's been said on the comment boards or the comment threads, and by a lot of other people, that it's a lot to do with Bradley, Avery Bradley. Um. So, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a tough game. I don't really. You know, I have a lot more to say about the Pacers game, but yeah. If you have some, you know, give us your thoughts, Ben. I mean, yeah, yeah. The, so the the Bucks on paper to me are one of the trickiest matchups for the Pistons. I mean, hmm. obviously Giannis is a nightmare for everyone. Um, he's just a very tough cover unless you've got a guy like LeBron James or something. You know, another superhuman freak athlete to deal with them. Um, but to me, what gave the Pistons the most problems was. Just the incredible length and, yeah. and athleticism of Milwaukee's defense when it was right. engaged. I think it was 16 blocks or something like that that 
the, the Bucks blocked 16 shots. I mean, that's in a game that was decided yeah. by four points. You don't need to look much farther than that to find out what the problem was. And then on top of it, they forced 16 turnovers out of the Pistons. So to me, that, that tells the big picture story. Um, the Pistons just struggled to get anything going offensively. Um, Reggie and Ish, the two primary ball handlers, Ish actually played more minutes than Reggie in this game, which um, maybe we'll talk a little bit more about that when we talk about the Pacers as well. But neither of them played well. Uh, neither of them was able to get mm-hmm. it going off the dribble. Both of them shot the, board, the ball poorly. And then I think for the first time, Tobias just was not engaged. Only 11 field goal attempts, didn't shoot the ball particularly well. 13 points, one of his low low totals for the season. So yeah. offensively, Milwaukee just had Detroit covered at, at every single point. Uh, and nobody was able to get it going. Only four guys scored in double digits. I think, you know, mm-hmm. if there were two bright spots uh, for that game, maybe you could say three. Avery Bradley was good, 28 points on 18 shots. Um, not a guy you expect to lead your team in scoring by such a wide margin. You know, the next closest guys were Drummond and Tobias with 13. So he more than doubled those guys, right? And then I think Kennard was solid in limited minutes. He was able to get his offense going yeah. a little bit. Uh, maybe caught the, the Bucks defense a little bit off guard. And then you mentioned Eric Moreland and being a fan. I, I have not yet come around to Moreland. Um, you know, he had nine boards. He didn't, he didn't do anything on offense, which is kind of his, you know, his MO. He's a guy who goes out and plays D and rebounds. But nine boards and I would say solid team defense. So maybe he's winning me over a little bit. Um, but yeah, I think we saw a team who's been shooting the ball really, really well, uh, who's been clicking basically on everything on offense, just sort of run into a really tough matchup that prevented dribble penetration and then combined with some tough shooting ended up in a tough loss. But to your point, oh, yeah. to see them fight back was uh, the encouraging thing, right? I mean, that was the encouraging thing. They were down on the road. And in, yeah. in past years, I think we would have seen this team fold, but they didn't. Uh, they fought. They made it close. And, you know, they they had a realistic chance to win if they had just been able to get the offense clicking down the stretch. So, you know, those are some key takeaways for me, I think. Yeah. Obviously, we didn't know this until they lost to the Pacers, but a little two-game losing yeah. streak – in about an hour, they're going to be tipping off against Minnesota. It'll be very interesting to see how they respond. Uh, well, but, that, yeah, we that can fourth, move on to the Pacers game. Late third and early this. fourth. Well, pretty Kudos much the whole fourth that class. Catching the replay. Um, um, what about the you know Pacers just a ball movement kind of just coming to a screeching halt there? I mean, Stan Van Gundy he mentioned it in his post game presser. Um, they just you know it started out that quarter started off well that fourth quarter. Um, they. You know the uh, the Pacers decided not to guard Kennard, and he hit an open three at the top of the key. Um, so you know we had a thirteen point Pistons had a thirteen point lead. Um, you know they went in the quarter up ten, I believe. Um, you know of course they had that twenty two point uh, lead. Um, you know in the third, but it just uh, you know whole game the, the first two quarters just you know very crisp ball movement. Um, you know Reggie hit some tough shots. Uh, you know, Bradley had it going on there for a while. Um, and, uh, you know, you know, Drummond, you know, is getting boards. He's playing, you know, decent defense. I, I have, uh, you know, there's not, there's a lot of, uh, Pistons fans who aren't, uh, shy about, uh, you know, talking about Drummond and how his defense comes and goes. And I think it is improving, but, you know, in the, in the fourth there, um, I think he was in the game in the fourth for, 
I don't know, five, six, seven minutes. Uh, I, I don't think Moreland got a lot of run against Indiana. Um, but uh, just, uh, you know, just kind of got away from them. Harris Harris had two straight buckets in the fourth. He had a post up, um, and then he had that uh, three-pointer, and they kind of went away from him. They couldn't get the ball to him again, um, at least from what I remember. Um, you know, Ish had that uh, sequence. I think he went on a 7 or 8-0 run, kind of, you know, uh, put Pistons back in the lead again or, or, or kept them, you know, even with uh, the Pacers. And then, then, uh, and Reggie came back in the game, uh, two, two straight turnovers. Uh, it was just kind of like, it's almost like they ran out of gas. Um, even though, you know, they, they didn't play the night before. Um, I don't know. It was just a combination. And, you know, Pacers got to give them credit. They're a, they're a 500 team. I think, I mean, I think they are 500 and I think they'll stay what, stay that way most of the year. Um, they got a lot of, a lot of athletes on that team. They're, they're kind of, a a long team, I think, maybe not as long as Milwaukee, but, um, you know, all Depot and, uh, Sabonis made some, made some plays. Um, you know, Corey Joseph hit, hit a couple big shots there. I don't know. It was just, uh, it's one of those games, 50, 50 games in the NBA. You're going to have probably 20, 30 of them every year, at least that could go either way. Um, and hopefully Detroit will come back tonight and play hard and be in the game on the road against a, a top four West team, I think. Um, I'm sure you have some thoughts, Ben, on the, on the game. Um, I don't think maybe I covered everything that I wanted to, but, uh, but yeah, it was just, uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of the opposite. So, you know, I think it's five. This season, the Pistons have come back from double digits something like five times to win. It was like this game was the flip side of that coin, right? They got way up, and it was like they just stopped doing all the things. You mentioned the ball movement just sort of stopped. They stopped Mm -hmm. doing all the things that put them up 22, especially defending. I mean, you know, guys like Thad Young shooting eight for 14, how does that happen? And then how does Lance Stevenson come in off the bench and and just sort of torch you? it, it was just the – it brought back so many of those bad memories about the third quarter and fourth quarter collapse, right? I mean, if, the, if they didn't do that against Milwaukee, they absolutely did that no. against Indiana. You mentioned 50-50 games, and I think that's an important thing to keep in mind. I've been saying this on the podcast all season. The Pistons are not a 70% win team. Right? They're not going to go out and win 70% yeah. of their games. Um, and every NBA team is going to have these 50-50 games where you're up against a quality opponent, um, the game is a, a game of runs and spurts, and the other team makes a run at the opportune time, and, and the wheels fall off for you, and that's going to happen. Right. Um, you don't like to see it as a fan, obviously, but I think there's got to be some perspective here, both from the fan base and from internal to the organization. Who would have thought the Pistons would be 10-5, and five, right? I mean – regardless of the fact that you just had a really ugly loss to Indiana after a really tough loss and you're facing a, a surprisingly strong and maybe not surprisingly strong Minnesota team. Um, perspective is important yeah. here. Um, 10 and five is a really good place to be third in the right. East. Um, I think Toronto maybe has an identical record tied with Toronto for second in the East at 10 and five yeah. ahead of teams like Washington and Cleveland, Cleveland, maybe figuring out a couple things. Um, perspective is the key. This, this was one of those games that yeah. let's it's funny. Uh, something you mentioned um, 
because uh, jogged my memory they, they a little really, bit. But um, they, they had the game won. This is the second time they, the Pistons have played they, the Bucks and the Pacers, and now tonight to you got the Timberwolves job. for the second time. So I hope hopefully the trend stops where they lose the second game um, against against the team that they beat before. Um, but but another thing I wanted to mention is the uh, you know the, especially in that fourth the lack of a post presence. I, I know. Um, you know, the offense has gone away from Drummond, and and it should. I mean, he's involved a lot in the offense, but I mean, down low, getting him the ball, it's almost non-existent now, especially in the second half in crunch time. Um, and that's a good thing, like I just noted. But I think a possible scenario. I don't know if you know Stan or Bauer is interested in a in a Monroe type talent, but a guy who can you can throw on the block and get some easy bit easier baskets in the, in the, in the crunch time, or at least in the second half would really benefit Detroit. I mean, we know Moreland's uh, almost a nothing on offense, you know, Tobias, he can post up and, you know, he gets his baskets from a variety of doing a variety of different things, but just sometimes it, it seemed the last couple of games in Detroit, you know, they just go through those lulls that we're so been so accustomed to for the last several years. Um, it's, you know, I mean, Kennard's bailed him out a couple times. Ishmith always seems to bail him out. You know, he has his bad moments too, where he gets shot happy and he thinks he's uh, Stefan Marbury and just shoots it, you know, three, four straight times on the court. Um, but I'm wondering if Detroit wouldn't be interested in getting a Greg Monroe for at least for a rental or just a, you know, half a year to try it out, see if. You know, I don't know a lot about the money things, how that would how that would work, and I'm not sure we have anything to give. Uh, Let's see, he's on Phoenix now? Is that right? Yeah, so Phoenix has a lot of young players, but, I mean, we don't really have any young guys to give them. Uh, I'm sure they don't want John Lure. Uh, you know. Yeah, yeah um, that's correct. Yeah, I don't, we don't really have a lot to give them. Stan, we're not going to give up Stanley Johnson. There's still hope with them, I, I think. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't know. I just thought that uh, sometimes it's, <laughs> you know – a lot of teams in the NBA can say the same thing. They're jump shooting teams. It's you live by them, you die by them, and you know, even when the Pistons weren't turning the ball over against Indiana, those jump shots just started not going down. Uh, Reggie had a couple. Um, let's see, you know, Kennard missed a few. Um, you know, and Galloway, he's been cold the last couple of games. I think he, he he's a spurt kind of player. He'll hit two or three, and then he'll miss four or five in a row. But I don't know. It just seems like we need one more score to kind of to solidify ourselves as a top three, four team in the East right now. I think we're a fifth or sixth at best. Um, I know our record is tied for tied for second or third or whatever, but uh, I don't know. Teams like uh, you got to beat teams like Indiana, um, especially when you're in the game at the end there. But but yeah, you made a good point. Uh, just a lot of fifty fifty games. You just gotta you know find a way to win more than you lose. Um, you know, I think, uh, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Well, and I'll say like, I would be remiss if I didn't say this hashtag free bull bond. They do have a guy who can score in the post. I'm just, I'm just saying that they do. Um, no, I, I'm not going to beat that horse. It, it is long dead. But two other things that you mentioned did, I think they're worth keeping an eye on in the future. The first one is Langston Galloway. 
started the season shooting out mm. of his mind. Crazy good. 73% true shooting percentage. There's some nonsense going into this week. I mean, just absolutely unsustainable. Two really bad shooting performances in a row. I think two for 10 and two for seven. Obviously that hurts because he's a guy who, that's a lot of shots to take in a, in a short amount of time. He, he mm. does shoot the ball a lot when he gets in the game. If they're not falling, the bench production is going to drop off. The other one is Stanley Johnson. Uh, wasn't, I wouldn't say bad in my opinion against Milwaukee, but didn't didn't play a whole lot either. Uh, only played 17 minutes, I think. Um, and then really did not play well uh, against the Pacers. One for nine. That's right. 11% shooting. That's obviously not going to get it done. Still played about 25 minutes. Um, Kennard was, was much better, fortunately. Gave us a little bit of scoring. Two games in a row. Um, so Stanley Johnson, we got to watch him. He's He's... He's been great, and he's been terrible this year. It's like there hasn't been much middle ground. He's either been really, really good and looked like the player we all wanted him to be or really, really bad and the player we were all afraid he might be. So uh, hopefully Stanley gets things figured out because one, one for nine is not going not gonna to get it done. You also mentioned Ish Smith, and I <laughs> tweeted this out in the game uh, against the Pacers. Ish, when, when he's in his good space – like he reminds me of sort of a, an under control playing within his limits. Will Biden, right? Like comes in off the bench, you know he's going to play super hard. Not necessarily as explosive offensively as Will could be, yeah. but then he does have that tendency to shoot himself into trouble, right? Like he just he takes those two shots that he shouldn't take, and that's enough to sort of sour you on on the whole performance. But you're right. At least you know what you're going to get from when you put him right. in for 20 minutes. You know he's going to play hard. He's going to run the floor hard. He's going to get to the basket and create things for other people. So, uh, you know, you're going to get more good from bad. Uh, you're going to get more good than bad out of Ish, I think, as we've learned over the last season and a half. So, yeah, that wraps up the the, the little two-game mini losing streak. Hopefully it stops there. It's interesting you pointed out they've played both of these teams twice, and now they they've got – the T-Wolves in about 30, 45 minutes here. You know, I haven't seen a ton of Minnesota, but they've got some guys who think on, on paper can be problematic for a lot of teams. But obviously the big name here is Carl Anthony Towns. He's the real deal, right? And he is a fantastic player. Um, yeah, um, they got a – don't want to put you on the spot too much. I don't know. I what think, do you uh, think the Pistons can do to – Butler's been playing there, I mean, do they better lately. The I don't think he's amazing anyone, but I think – I saw an article. He scored them. 20 recently. I mean, an efficient 20. Um, I think Teague's coming around a little bit. Um, obviously, Carl Anthony Towns is a supreme talent, uh, at least on, on offense he is. Um, I think we'll see a lot of t- Tolliver, um, as we should. Um, you know, I'm not sure he can continue to stop these guys as he was earlier in the year. But, uh, you know, it's definitely a matchup that, uh, I mean, who else is Detroit going to put on Carl Anthony? I don't know if Andre can do a ton against him uh, just because, you know, I don't know. Andre's uh, it's 50-50 whether he's going to show up to play defense or not. I think a lot of it's about focus uh, intensity. But um, I don't know. The I'm, I'm thinking here, Jamal Crawford on, on, the, on T-Wolves, I don't know if he's been playing well recently. I do know the team, team as a whole has been playing well. I think um, since they played Detroit several weeks ago or a couple weeks ago, they've only lost two games since. They're like – six and two cents or seven and two. I don't know. I think they have 10 and five record just like Detroit. So, um, you know, I think they're a, they're a team that's dangerous. 
Um, the home game on a Sunday night, the crowd's going to be into it. Uh, they're in Minneapolis. They love their basketball. Um, you know, I'm sure the home court's going to going to give them a, an edge. It would be great if Detroit would have that same advantage when they play at home, but you know, that's uh, <laughs> not there yet. Maybe tomorrow. Um, but uh, you know, there'll be a big crowd for LeBron, but a lot of those fans will be from Ohio. So. We're not there yet. <laughs> We're not there yet. Yeah. Yeah. So the Wolves yeah. to me, like, they're interesting because you'd expect this group of guys coached by who they're coached by to be sort of like a defense is my priority sort of team, but they're yeah. actually the opposite of that. It's their, they've got a top five offense and a, and a 25th out of 30 defense, which is, Really interesting. I don't. I don't know if that's going to continue or not. The other thing that's interesting about the Wolves is that they rely really heavily on their starters. Butler's playing thirty six minutes. Wiggins thirty six minutes. Towns thirty five minutes. So the Pistons may have a bit of an edge in terms of depth. Um, but it, you're right. It'll be interesting to see how he, how Van Gundy chooses to defend Towns because um, you, you said all the things correct. I think about Andre Drummond's defense when he's dialed in. He's got all the tools to be effective, if not great, but effective. But he, he's been exposed a time or two by scoring big men. So uh, Towns is obviously not the, the ideal matchup. But we're going to be optimistic. We're going to yeah, hope that uh, right. about three hours from now, the Pistons will be 11-5 and five, uh, instead of 10-6. and six. So uh, last thing we wanted to just quickly touch on tonight, uh, Stan Van Gundy, a little bit of controversy this week, um, writing a piece, I believe, was it for Time Magazine? I believe it was. Um, Steve Henson did a quick write-up for us on the blog about athletes who protest being patriots and, and something we, as a society, uh, ought not to revile. Uh, and, and at Detroit Bad Boys, you know, I've been around the blog for, this is my ninth NBA season, um, being around the blog, so I've been around a while. And, you know, one thing I'll say, um, DBB has been accepting of all sorts and all types. It's a great place uh, to come. We've talked about it as sort of virtual sports bar. The game threads are a lot of fun. Uh, and, and there's a sense of community. Um, that community can be pretty thorny at times, and I've been in on those conversations, and it can be a lot of fun at times. Um, but, you know, one of the things that I, I left in the comments of that post uh, on our blog about the Van Gundy piece, first and foremost, um, everyone's welcome at the blog. You're welcome to listen to this podcast. You're welcome to hit us up on Twitter. You're welcome to join us in the comments, regardless of what your perspectives are. Um, you know, politically, I happen to agree with all of Van Gundy's points. And I think a large number of our staff writers did as well. But I think you'll find that, um, and I hope that you'll find that people are receptive to differing points of view on all those things. Um, so kind of with that preamble out of the way, I, I just wanted to give voice to that. Um, I personally am glad that we have an owner and a president and coach who's willing to speak out on issues like this. I know there are a lot of fans right now who are kind of part of the stick to sports movement. Uh, and I get it. I understand where those people are coming from. But one thing I would ask everyone to consider when you think about issues like this, the intersection of sports and of politics 
in our society, for as long as there have been sports, politics have been intermingled with them. You know, the majority of sports started as segregated. Um, it's only in the last couple generations that that has changed. Uh, and, and I think my personal read of history is that sports can be a really interesting tool to help bring about positive social change. Um, if you look at the way baseball was changed as a result of integration, if, I think you could potentially make the case that um, sports contributed to some of the larger movements towards racial justice around school desegregation and all of those sorts of things. There's never been a point where sports and politics haven't been in conversation with each other. And I think regardless of one's opinions about this particular issue, should athletes kneel or not? What are they accomplishing when they do? And all those sorts of questions. Um, my, my personal hope is that we don't eject that conversation because we just want to talk about sports because uh, sports and politics can always influence each other positively if we allow them to. Um, so I'm not going to take a hard line stand. I mean, I, I made some comments on the blog about how I feel about the particular issue. Um, but I just wanted to give voice to the fact that I'm glad we have a, a president of basketball operations and an owner who's willing to go out and say, yeah, I, I support the, the rights of my players. They, they have the right to speak their mind on social issues regardless of whether they happen to agree. And in this case, they, they largely do agree with the players. Um, so I wanted to give a shout out to that. And then I also just wanted to mention to everyone who's listening, everyone who's reading, your opinion's valuable. If you agree with us or not, we welcome it. Um, even when the conversations get thorny, like I said, Detroit Bad Boys has always been that way. We've always been the type of blog to welcome people who think through their points and state them passionately. So if your opinion is different than mine, I respect uh, you. I don't have a lot and, to and add. I think you summed it up very well. I hope um, you know, these issues the aren't going to go away anytime soon. If anything, the they're going to be uh, so amplified and continue to progress quite quickly here. Based on certain things happening in the country and our leadership and things like that. So, you know, it's a sweet – everybody who wants to talk about it, when things come up on you know Detroit Bad Boys and the threads, just – should just be a little more respectful of each other um, on both sides. Both sides are to blame for, uh, you know, getting getting a little bit feisty in the comments and, you know, things like that. Um, it hasn't really gone too much over uh, too far over the line, but um, just be be respectful of each other. I mean, I think we have to remember sometimes. Um, in person, we were we're not going to say things in person to somebody that we will you know might type online and then press send or whatever um you know we're, we're going to be a lot more brazen online because we don't have to face those people you know if it was if you're having a conversation you know in a restaurant or something watching the game and it came up and there was a group of seven pistons fans or whatever you know we're, we're, you know, we're all there in the restaurant together we're not gonna say as you know many uh outrageous things that we would online so we just gotta remember that um remember that you know at the end of the day uh, we all are Detroit fans, Detroit Pistons fans, and uh, um, we all want the best for the country. And there's a lot of different ways to get, you know, to that uh, quote unquote best uh, country that we can get get to. So I don't know. It's uh, you know, I uh, I like Stan Van Gundy in a lot of ways, and uh, no matter his opinion, I hope he continues to uh, stand up for his right to uh, say whatever he wants, as long as it's not uh, attacking somebody else. So. That's all I got to add. I kind of rambled there. Sorry.
Yeah. Mm. No, absolutely. And I think the other thing too is, you know, like you and I having a, a voice to voice, I, I wanted to say face to face, but it's just a voice to voice. Having a conversation is so much different than leaving comments to each other online as you get yeah. into that. Tone, you know, we de- if you're a working professional in an office, you deal with this all the yeah. time via email, text message, and all that kind of stuff. Tone just doesn't translate uh, online. And so, you know, I've had more than a few disagreements with folks uh, at Detroit Bad Boys and other places on the Internet that I think were simply a result of, of misunderstanding tone. Right. And things can quickly escalate and you can be really upset with a person simply because you just, you misread a tone, right? You like you, you inferred something that wasn't ever intended to be implied. So when we're talking about politics, I think the risk is as great there to misread tone as it is anywhere else. So yeah, I want to just say, I'm grateful that we're part of the basketball community that allows for these conversations to take place. I'm grateful that the overwhelming majority of the time, those conversations are productive uh, and I hope they continue to be so. Uh, with that, Ryan, you know, thanks for joining us, man. It, it was really great to have you. We'll have to have you on again. To everyone who is celebrating uh, Thanksgiving this week, so our American listeners, happy Thanksgiving, happy Turkey Day. I don't know if we'll have a podcast a week from today or not, but we definitely will two weeks from now. Um, so between now and then, take care of yourselves. Travel safely if you're traveling. Uh, watch lots of football. Watch lots of basketball. And we will talk to you soon. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, Just go to cars.com. It's magical.